What if in 2024, you got a little bit better every day? When you're learning a new language with Babbel, that's exactly what you're doing. And if Babbel can help you start speaking a new language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in a full year. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's convenient courses are helping me learn real-life conversation skills in Spanish. It's getting so easy to learn how to order food, ask for directions, or speak to merchants. Studies from Yale, Michigan State University, and others continue to prove Babbel is better. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Babbel has over 16 million subscriptions sold. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com SPP. That's right. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash SPP. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash SPP. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Ting, mobile that makes sense. Go to smartpeople.ting.com to figure out how much you could be saving on your mobile phone bill right now. A podcast where we talk to smart people, but not necessarily done by smart people. That is an awesome question. This one goes down probably on one of my top five. Hey, I like nutrition. I like to eat food. This is the coolest thing ever. We're going to do this forever. I wish I paid more attention in that class. You know, I'm going to be honest. I don't understand that. As a man, I, just, I don't get it. Welcome to Welcome smartpeoplepodcast.com. Welcome to Smart People Podcast, conversations that satisfy your curious mind. I'm Chris Stemp. And I'm John Rojas. It's contest time. As we mentioned, we're giving away a lot of prizes here on Smart People Podcast. First, a Kindle Fire HDX 7-inch tablet and four Amazon gift cards with values of $25 a piece. Before getting to those prizes, we're going to give away a copy of James Nestor's book, Deep, to two listeners that included us in their conversation with James Nestor on Twitter. And those two winners are Scott Pierce and Lourdes Rangel. Rangel? Rangel? Lourdes? I don't know. It's an interesting name, but thank you for tweeting to us, to him. And spreading the message. Yeah, look for a tweet from us. We will contact you to get your information and send you over a copy of James Nestor's book. All right, now on to the big stuff. You all have been great reaching out to us. As you know, to enter this uh, contest, all you had to do was sign up for our newsletter, which in itself is a win. Let's be honest. You get a, a bunch of great stuff that you can only get there. We have been slacking a little, but we have intentions to do more, and at least we won't flood your inbox. So, drum roll, John. I'll insert one right there. <laughs> the winner of the Amazon Kindle Fire HDX 7-inch tablet is Patrick Elwer. Patrick, congratulations. We will reach out to you on email, and we will also include you in the next newsletter and let you know you were the lucky winner. But that's not it. We got four more, and those are Jen 
Rock or Roke. We don't know. Sorry for butchering names. But you win a $25 Amazon gift card. Daryl, we don't have your last name, but we do have your email address. So we will email you and include you in the newsletter as well. You win a gift card. Scott Camp, you win a gift card. And Laura Moore, you win a gift card. You win a gift card. You win a gift card. I know. Card. What's that from? The you Oprah. win a card. <laughs> yeah. So um, thanks so much, guys. We're really doing this. We want to have ways to reach out to you and just converse, learn, really learn what you like about the show, what you don't like. And the easiest way for us to do that is emailing through our newsletter. So we just wanted to thank those who have signed up and listen and are fans of the show. Yeah, and do me a favor, tweet your gifts that you get from us. If you're getting copies of the books or the Kindle, tweet those. The Amazon gift cards, you don't need to tweet those because I don't want you tweeting out the <laughs> the account numbers on the back of those, uh, and then somebody's stealing your money. Can't have that. So that doesn't mean you have to you know stop interacting with us just because we're not giving free stuff away in the next week or two, but we still love to connect with you. Got a great one for you today. We are interviewing Roger Hamilton, who was dubbed on Wikipedia Asia's leading wealth consultant. So that, I feel like that's a that's a pretty big deal. But the thing is, we don't really talk a lot about wealth and consulting. I thought the conversation was going to go more on like save for your four hundred one k and do all that, and it took a very pleasant U turn. Oh, this was such a pleasant surprise for the interview because I thought the same thing. You know, we get a guy that writes a financial planning book and you expect to talk finances. Well, and I don't think we talked a minute of finances. We thought it was a financial planning book, but really it's more of a find what you're great at and the money will come, which even still, it's just too hard to ex explain. And so this time we're not even going to try and do it. We're going to let you guys listen. And by the end, I guarantee, I guarantee you will be super impressed. You'll want to read the book. You'll want to learn more about Roger. Really fantastic stuff. To give you some background on Roger, he was born in Hong Kong, went to Trinity College, Cambridge University, and became an entrepreneur before leaving college, which we find out, you know, he failed a few times before making it big. Roger's a social entrepreneur and Asia's best-known wealth educator. As a member of the Clinton Global Initiative, United Nations Global Compact, and Transformational Leadership Council, Roger is dedicated to the global growth of social entrepreneurship for the last decade. So, great guy. Going to turn it over here to Roger. Hope you guys enjoy. Roger, thank you so much for being on the show. So excited to have you on. And I have to admit, John was looking at your background on Wikipedia, and they dub you Asia's leading wealth consultant. And given that Asia is the largest, most populated continent in the world, I think that makes you one of the smartest people in the world. How do you feel about that? <laughs> or actually, it might, be, it might be the opposite. It might be that... Uh... Uh, most people out there creating wealth don't have time to be a consultant, so I'm kind of like one of a, one of a small number of people. <laughs> That's amazing. So how does one become, become Asia's leading wealth consultant? I mean, in all honesty, you do have a lot of great experience under your belt, which we're going to talk about. But I would just like to know, what do you feel got you to this point the most? What did it take to get to this level of success you've achieved? 
it's interesting. I don't know. I don't know who it is that dubbed that or put that on Wikipedia. <laughs> In fact, I think I saw it before it got on Wikipedia. It was on a press article at some point. And so, you know, even the concept of a wealth consultant is kind of interesting because you know a lot of people hear about things like um, you know wealth managers, for example, or business consultants. So the idea of actually having uh, something that links the two together is kind of interesting. But I know that my passion has always been. Uh, looking for underlying structures. So, I mean, I studied architecture at university and and the first thing you need to do if you're going to build anything is start with a blueprint. So I was just very curious. I was an entrepreneur from a young age and I was very curious as to, well, what is the underlying structure of entrepreneurship? And so the more I was meeting up with different people who are mentors of mine or peers who just, you know, become successful in the industry, I was like, well, what is it that makes them different from others? Or what is it that allows some people to be successful in certain ways instead of others? And that ongoing questioning kind of led to a situation, you know, a little bit similar. I, I was listening to your podcast with uh, Simon recently, Simon Sinek, and mm-hmm. it was really interesting because when he was talking about his background in anthropology and how he just had this kind of like curiosity about, you know, what is it that actually makes uh, people tick? I really resonated with that because that's exactly how I feel around the whole architectural kind of structural side. And I think that's probably how I ended up in a situation where I was out consulting with a lot of different people. And I did it very organically, just like he did, where it just started with friends. And then, you know, one thing just led to another. I love that. And especially from the place of this podcast being curiosity driven and just really maintaining that level of wonder in the world. And it's just a great message for our listeners to hear somebody like you. And like you mentioned, Simon say that in the same vein, I think of how curious John and I are, yet we're not millionaires. I don't know if I'll ever be one. And I wonder, at what point does it go from being curious to turning that into wealth and business? That's a really interesting uh, kind of thought and question because a lot of people have become really successful in life, whether they're musicians or you know artists, without ever becoming financially successful. So I think that there's an element you know, with them when it comes to wealth, where some people figure out how to make it, but it's a different thing to make it and then build it. And there's no question that there's strategies behind behind doing that. And I think there's also an element around understanding what our natural strengths are. And that's a large part of what I, I discovered is that when people follow their natural flow, the thing that actually allows them to become successful, you know, like, as for example, I know people who are great with people, they have no problem contacting, you know, uh, anyone and getting to know them, but then they're just not so good with the numbers. And so every time they're out there making money, somehow it just disappears again. Uh, but when they realize, well, you know what, that's like a blaze genius, like someone like you hear the story about Jack Welsh, how he got started with General Electric or Rudy Giuliani, when he took over as mayor of New York, first thing they did was get a really strong finance guy and it allowed them to become successful in ways they just couldn't if they were doing it on their own. Uh, similarly, you take someone like, um, you know, Warren Buffett, who uh, never had to start up a business in his life. Uh, and when you hear people say, well, you've got to go out there and start up a business, for example, because he's more on the introvert side, because he's got a different kind of a genius, which is what I call a tempo genius. If he was going out and following the same, you know, the same strategies that others would say, like Richard Branson, which is like, go out there and just, you know, take a risk and start a business, he would have totally failed. But because he did what he, uh, what we should all do, which is find a role model that actually suits him. I mean, he found Benjamin Graham that was introvert just like he was, who was analytical just like he was, who says, you don't have to go start a business. You can actually create a way to actually invest in other people's businesses. And then he was able to create success that way as well. So here's the thing. A lot of people, they hear this thing about go follow your passion. But that for a lot of people is the last thing you should do because your passion is 
I mean, it could be a hobby, but it doesn't mean you're going to make money out of it. But understanding how to follow your passion profitably is actually a very different thing. And understanding how to find the right role models who have the same passion with you and has turned it into profit, um, that's the pathway which leads to success far more effectively. So you started to touch on the the four kinds of inner genius when you talked about the, the tempo genius of Warren Buffett. And then you also mentioned dynamo genius, blaze genius, and steel geniuses. Can you give our listeners a little bit of background on what those genius are? And then also, what made you decide to try to group these financially successful professionals into into buckets like this? This actually started uh, probably... Well, I'd probably say 15 years ago. So that's giving my age away a bit now. I'm like 45 years old now. And I was like 30 at the time when uh, I was spending a lot of my time. I created a successful business after a lot of failures. I was in my late 20s. And I said, I really want to go out and learn how other people are doing things differently. And as I was, as I was meeting other people, and, I was, and these were entrepreneurs in Asia, I was meeting people in China, I was meeting people in Australia and Japan, and I, I was sharing uh, what I was seeing different people do. And you'd always find that some people would say, oh, yeah, I can do that. That's easy for me. And then someone else goes, no, no, that's just too difficult. I'm not going to try that. And so it really got me thinking, well, it really looks like different people have different paths to success. And there's a stereotype of an entrepreneur, like a Richard Branson type, who has to go out and take risks. But I noticed a lot of people being successful who actually were doing it in different ways. So the, the first point wasn't even the genius test. Uh, the first point was something I created just for my own benefit, which was called Wealth Dynamics, where if you think about a square, there were like eight different ways that people can create value because all, you know, all wealth creation is about you know, creating value, having value exchange, uh, and then multiplying that or, or magnifying that, turning that into leverage. What I noticed was that all value is created in one of two ways. Now, my background, I mean, I'm half Scottish, half Chinese. So, you know, I, I, I know a lot about the Chinese philosophy and the whole yin yang kind of symbolism of the fact that there's opposites to everything. That's been a lot of my thinking. And when it came to creating value, you'll have people at the top of the square, what I now call dynamo geniuses. Uh, who are the ones who are very uh, head in the clouds. They're very intuitive. They're very good at starting things, not so good at finishing things. Um, and they had a way of creating value through innovation. So when you hear about someone like a, a Steve Jobs or you hear about someone like an Oprah Winfrey, you know, Steve Jobs is innovating products. Oprah Winfrey is innovating, innovating brand. Um, they, they all have got to their success and created value through innovation, which is the opposite of tempo, which is down at the base of the square, which is all about creating value through timing. So someone like George Soros, who created value through timing through his trades, or or, or someone like Warren Buffett, who, who creates his value through his investments, or even someone like Donald Trump, who creates value through his uh, through his deals. Uh, they have a very, very different way of working, and that's using your senses, this sensory as opposed to intuitive. And so understanding that these are total opposites, and a lot of people who are very creative are actually really bad at timing, um, and they end up mistiming the market, and vice versa as well. And then also on the left and right of the square, you've got the blaze energies, which are on the right-hand side. Originally, I had these as profiles. So I had creator at the top, which was like a creating product. I had stars who were really good at, uh, at creating brand. I had supporters who were like the Jack Welshes of the world, the Meg Whitmans of the world, who were really good at leading companies. And this is on the blaze side. I had deal makers. And these were the guys on the right-hand side who were really good at people. They're extroverts as opposed to introverts. Now, you, now, a lot of people, anyone who knows anything about psychometric testing will recognize these terms because these all came back to Carl Jung, who was the first to kind of term these like 100 years ago. And he got all of this from the I Ching, which is the Book of Changes from China, which he was the first to publish in the West, which actually talks about these energies like their seasons, like spring energy is dynamo, summer energy is blaze, uh, and then uh, you've got tempo energy, which is autumn. Uh, and then you have winter energy, which is the introverts. And that's like the Mark Zuckerbergs of the world, the Warren Buffetts, uh, those are the accumulators, the mechanics, 
So there's a total of eight different profiles. And when I first came up with this, I did it for my own, really for my own ability to just make sense of different people when I meet them, where then I could say, well, look, you're clearly an introvert. Don't go out and try and meet people all the time. Just create a system which allows you to multiply things easily. And they'll go, I can do that. Or I find an extrovert who'd been spending their time trying to create a podcast or trying to create, you know, some kind of a technical, you know, website. And I'll say, look, don't bother about that or team up with someone who's a good introvert so that you can be the one interviewing or you can be the one out there. But you, unless you do that, you're not going to get in your natural flow and things are going to feel like hard work. And through that, that kind of like started taking off where within a couple of months we had, you know, a couple of hundred people a, a month showing up saying we want to you know, do this test. We then kind of computerized it and then became a couple of thousand. Now we've got about a quarter of a million people that have actually taken that test and they're all in countries around the world. And that then led to the, the genius test where we have about a thousand people a day who are now taking that on our Facebook app, our mobile app. And that's just growing, growing, growing because it just resonates with people at a much deeper level that, you know, you shouldn't be struggling through life, but you should be doing the things you're naturally good at. There's so many things there that really do resonate with me. I mean, flow, the book flow is hands down my favorite book of all time. The idea behind it was life-changing for me. I never realized it, but that's what drew me to athletics so much. And John and I were talking the other day, the second place that I found flow was in podcasting. It's the, the second place ever where at the end of an interview or even editing, I, I don't know where time went and it just, it's such a good feeling. So have you always been interested in that? Where, where did that originate from with you? Yeah, I've, I've been fascinated with flow my whole life. You know, Mikhail's book is a great book. There's some, some other new books that have come out, which are just awesome as well. The Rise of uh, Superman by Stephen Kotler, which is all about the flow state in, uh, in sports and also in, in the army. Uh, like what happens when you get into your flow state in terms of your ability to be able to learn much faster, to be able to get into your mastery of what you actually love to do better as well. And it's really interesting because every one of us, I think, has had an experience in life where things just came easy. And we've all had experiences in life where things are just really tough. And no matter what we do, it all just goes wrong. And it's a little bit like being in a river where if you are going downstream, you can go pretty fast without feeling you're using any effort at all. And it's like everything gets attracted to you. you know, like any leaves that drop in the river come straight into the path of flow, which is what I call the path of least resistance. You go the opposite, which is when you're going upstream. And it doesn't matter how hard you're pushing, it's still going to feel like hard work. And there's so many people through life that actually go out of their way to follow something which feels like hard work. I think that has a lot to do with our education system. I think that when we're at school, you know, like we all remember those days when we might be great at something. I know I was great at art and I would ace art all the time. I'd get A's in it. But when I went home or when I went to see my teacher, they wouldn't be saying, hey, well done on the art. You've got an A. Just, just focus at that because you'll find other people to do the numbers. You'll find other people to do, you know, like, you know, the, the communication side. It's like, no, they were like, why did you get a, why did you get a C in French? You know, why did you get like a, a B in math? You've got to work harder at those. And I spent my time beating myself up for not being good enough at the areas where I was kind of like below average. And I didn't spend anything like as much time mastering the things I was already best at. Uh, and when you actually go out into the world and you keep with that same pathway, which is, look, if it feels like it's easy, there's probably something wrong in that. I shouldn't be doing that so much. I should focus on the stuff that actually is hard work and that I've got to work at because, you know, that's the work ethic. That's the one which means I should be focusing on that. And we actually go out of our way to go upstream and make life difficult for ourselves. And it's only when you look at the most successful people in the world and you realize they've actually just said, you know what? I'm going to do the stuff I love to do and that I know I'm most productive and valuable at. I'll find other people that can do the other bits and they'll probably love doing the things I'm not so good at because that's their flow. And before you know it, you then get a whole team together and that flow then grows into a group momentum, which is really when businesses take off. This is a perfect transition into 
a question, actually, I wanted to ask you earlier. You mentioned how following your passion sometimes is really bad advice, and it's something we focus on a lot. I'm actually launching another podcast that kind of also deals with this because it's such an interest of John and I, just the idea of what do you want to do? I mean, the podcast was born out of that. We wanted to learn more so we could figure out where our flow was. Interestingly enough, we both find it in podcasting. So you can't predict where it comes from. But you also said following your passion can be a bad idea because it could be a hobby. You need to find a profitable passion, I think is the word you used. There's some some form of that. And I'm, I'm interested in learning how do we discern a hobby versus something that can be profitable early on. Say we find our flow, we find where things are easy for us, for example, podcasting, but we can't make a living off of it. How do you, you know, what do you do from there? It's a really confusing time. Yeah, it's, it, this, is, this is a really tough one because this all comes down to the fact that there is an order to flow. And so, for example, if you're going to learn, if you're going to learn to fly a plane or drive a car, you know, there's an order to it. You don't start by kind of like zooming down the road. You start by understanding, you know, how, how to put on the clutch, how to change gears, you know, how to turn on the ignition. And, and you might, well, that's not much fun, but you've got to do those things to begin with. It's like, you know, parachuting out of a plane might be fun, but like you might think I'm not very passionate about packing the parachute. Well, but there's certain things you need to do at the beginning, which might not feel like they're the, your passion, which allow you to then release your passion. Mm -hmm. So the very, you know, so like within the book that I've just come out with, it's got these, these nine levels where passion is in there. So it's absolutely critical part, but passion comes after you have built discipline. And what I mean by that is that there are people who will leave their jobs, you know, say, I'm not passionate about my job. So I'm just going to go out there and kind of start a business and they leave it. But then they've just set themselves up to fail because they now have no way to even pay themselves. And they're now scrabbling around trying to use their passion to make money. And they come across as desperate or they come across as panicking. And so people, they can't even get the business even if they're trying. Um, and this is not the time to be saying, hey, I'm really passionate about this. Do you want to pay me some money for me to do this? Because you haven't yet earned the right within the market to do that. It's a little bit like someone, you know, someone who's kind of like overconsumed uh, and, and they, they want to go on a diet. And they're going to the dietitian and say, look, I want to go on a diet because, you know, I'm, I'm at the moment I'm, I'm consuming too much of the wrong stuff. And the dietitian says, what's your passion? Follow your passion. And it's like, well, my passion is chocolate cake. Right? <laughs> well, <laughs> that ain't going to help you. That's exactly what we got in, your, in, in the problem in the first place. So the passion has a path, but there's a discipline that needs to go in first. You know, one of the things I say is, you know, and, and passion and purpose is, is linked in this way because purpose also is something that provides meaning in things. But there's got to be a structure first to do it. Right. So. You know, even Superman has to be Clark Kent some of the time, right? He, it's like he's not going to get paid to, to save the world. So he's got to start by saying, right, I'm going to be Clark Kent for like, you know, like some working hours. I'm going to earn enough money by just kind of showing up with my glasses and my suit on to be able to go out and, you know, afford the stretchy pants. And then I'll go save the world. And so there's a balance between how we bridge going from a job we hate uh, to something that we're actually really passionate about. We're taking those steps one by one. You know, another analogy, you can get, I, I love metaphors, but another analogy would be, you know, watching those guys on the X Games, you know, being able to do the huge jumps off the black run when they're skiing and go, wow, that's awesome. Well, you might be inspired by that, but the first step is not to go up in the black run. The first step is to just learn how to snowplow in the kind of nursery slopes and, and know there's going to be a journey here. It's not like, you know, it's immediately going to happen, but there's a journey. But if you're willing to follow that journey and you take it step by step, there's no question you're going to end up on that black run. It's just a matter of dedicating yourself to the process. I got goosebumps. I, I seriously got goosebumps. That is one of the best pieces of advice I've ever heard for myself, for anyone, that idea of discipline. And it goes 
unnoticed. It goes unmentioned in all or most of the articles regarding finding your passion, finding what you want to do, living your dreams, because there is still a discipline to it. And even when you were saying the thing about you can swim upriver, you know, against the current or with it, it all sounds great until you give that caveat of, look, that doesn't mean it's all easy. That doesn't mean that there's no work. I think, and I'd love to get more of your definition of discipline within that, because I think oftentimes it's the struggles up front that you have to deal with in order to unleash that true flow and passion. Right. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'll give you an example of what I mean by discipline. We have a resort out in Bali. It's uh, it's an entrepreneur resort. And what that means is we run 30-day programs where people come out for 30 days and they leave their business behind. And a lot of people are like, I can't do that because I've got a business and I need to be there for it. I said, we say, come out for 30 days, see what happens. When they come out for 30 days, they redesign their entire life because that's the point. A lot of people actually are, are designing their life around their business when they redesign it so it's their business around their life, everything changes. And what actually starts happening to begin with is we don't start by saying, here's how you create the, the, the rhythm. Uh, you know, I, I use the word rhythm better than discipline. You know, think about the rhythm of a, of a sports person or a rhythm of a, of a band, right? It's kind of like they have to have a discipline to keep with the beat. But rhythm is a, is a much more um, elegant way of talking about it because it doesn't feel like it's hard work. And we actually create a rhythm where we say the first things that you need to structure if you're going to get lucky in life is being in the right place, right time. So it's all about what's the rhythm of your time? Uh, what's the rhythm of your spaces? So within those different geniuses I mentioned, there's a certain environment that when you're in it allows you to just naturally be extrovert, right? It's kind of like, like we have a day which is on Thursdays, which is our blaze day, where you know we kind of like show people you can have like one day or like two mornings a week where you can make more phone calls and connect with more people by being in this energy, in this blaze energy, than you could by kind of like you know disturbing yourself multiple times a day trying to get on the phone or getting interrupted by emails and so on. You know, we we have a, a steel day, which is like when you're going to actually look at numbers, when you're actually going to look at the detail, the systems, the structures of what you're doing. And there's a specific way you have a team that can help you to do that, especially if you're not, if you don't have the discipline to go into the numbers. You don't have to. You can have someone else who can do that and then show it to you in a way that actually works. So if you're a Blaze Genius, you can do it over, you know, drinks in the evening. If you're, uh, if you're a Dynamo Genius, you can do it with a big, you know, flip chart on the wall. You can do it in a way that actually works for you. But most importantly, you're still setting the time aside to do it and you're creating an environment to do it. Now, now you know, a lot of people think we're, we, you know, we're kind of like creatures of habit, but we're not. We're creatures of environment. It's like if you walk into a library, even if we're chatting quite loud, you naturally go quiet because that's what happens in that environment. Or if you want to go read a book, you don't go into a nightclub because that's an environment which is appropriate for kind of connecting with other people and having fun. So by realizing we already naturally walk into different environments, understanding different environments and how by directing people into an environment which is appropriate for a certain behavior, then everyone kind of signs up and is able to do that. So when I talk about discipline, I'm talking about a rhythm of your life where you're putting enough time aside all the way through the, you know, just like a chef, a chef does this, right? It's like they don't start by taking everything they're going to use to cook, sticking it in a bucket, and then trying to figure out like how to now take out the dessert separate from the chicken. They don't. They actually say, right, well, where's the environment where I'm going to keep things cool? I'll stick that in the fridge. Where's the environment where I'm going to heat things up? I'm going to put that in the oven. And, and they've actually designed the kitchen to have these different environments, which just makes cooking a joy, right? And I really believe that every one of us can set up our environments and set up our rhythms so that when we actually then focus at our business or our mission in life, it just becomes a joy because everything's got its place. And that really is the definition of right place, right time, which is what then creates our fortune and creates our luck. 
We'll be right back to this interview after a quick word from our sponsors. We have a new sponsor this week, which is Ting. And instead of give you a kind of standard read, John and I really want to talk about why we think they are not only disrupting the broken mobile phone industry, but how you are almost guaranteed to save a lot of money using their service. I just saw that the average monthly bill on Ting is $21 a month. I don't know about you, but that's four or five times less than what I'm paying. At least, yeah. Oh, it drives me crazy. And the coolest part is you only pay for what you use. So I just went on my honeymoon and I didn't use my phone hardly at all. I would have only paid $6 for that month if I didn't use my phone. So it's $6 a month and then simply pay as you go. No contracts, no early termination fees. You might be wondering... Okay, this sounds too good to be true. What phones can I use on this network? First of all, it sits on the Sprint network. So anywhere that there's Sprint coverage, you're going to get Sprint coverage. But when it comes to phones, you can pretty much get all the popular phones that are out there right now. Nexus 5, HTC One M8, Galaxy S5, Galaxy Note, all the different iPhones. Yep, Ting's got them. Obviously, one of the biggest parts is you're almost guaranteed to save money. But don't take our word for it. They have a really cool savings calculator. So go to smartpeople.ting.com. The savings calculator will pop up right away. And all you do is input what you've been using on your phone thus far and how much you're paying. And they'll show you exactly how much you would save if you switch to Ting. Yeah, and as Chris mentioned, the rates are very simple. You can check out their rates, see what you would be paying on a monthly basis, It's awesome. I mean, you break it down with the minutes, the messages, and the megabytes for data. It makes me really, really angry about what I'm paying right now on my cell phone And even as much as you use your phone, all the data, you would, I mean, you've done it. Oh, I did this. I would save so much money. So if you're curious about Ting, how much money you could save, how much better of a cell phone plan this is and how this should be the norm, go to smartpeople.ting.com. Dig around, learn how it can help you, save you money, incredible service, and let us know what you think. That's smartpeople.ting.com. And using our link will save you $25. 99designs is the largest online marketplace for graphic design with over 300,000 registered designers from all over the world. And it's not simply for logos. You can get things designed like a new website, a book cover, t-shirts, car wraps, stickers, you name it. You get a design you love with a 100% money back guarantee. We're running a design contest right now to create a laptop sticker for Smart People Podcast. I've received nearly 100 designs from over 30 designers. And what I like most about 99designs is I can go through those designs rate them, comment on them, provide feedback, and then the designers can ask questions, add additional feedback. It's been awesome. I feel like I'm working right next to the designer, and it's made it such a painless process. And soon, we're going to end up with an awesome newly designed sticker for all you guys to enjoy. So make sure you go to 99designs.com smart and get a $99 power pack of services for free today. Remember, that's 99designs.com slash smart. One of the things that come up in in the book a, a lot, in the Millionaire Master Plan, your personalized plan to financial success, is this idea of not only creating value, but creating purpose. So you've talked about creating value while making an impact on the world. 
Why did you choose to go that route? Because there are so many financial strategies out there where it's like, hey, make yourself rich, become a millionaire, do this. But you're completely focusing on giving back to the world at the same time while creating value. What led you to that philosophy? I, I do believe we're in a world that is changing. Um, I think that uh, there are a lot more people that actually get involved in their own business not even because of the money, because if they really were honest with themselves, they'd probably figure out they could make more money if they just got, went and got a job, right? <laughs> and a lot of people who are actually out there self-employed doing their own thing because they wanted something more meaningful. Uh, and what they really find themselves really getting buzzed up by is, is making a big difference in someone's life, whether it's someone they're working with in their team, whether it's a customer that they've come, got come on board. And, and as they get focused much more at that purpose, um, at the why, it actually lifts them up in such a way they could have, you know, amazing week after amazing week, just you know, like really living a meaningful life. And what I discovered within the flow of the elements, you know, because it's really interesting, you, you can go back 5,000 years in any culture, in any civilization, and there's a specific flow to it, is that you need every one of those elephant elements to link onto the next one. So, you know, just coming back to those, those geniuses for a moment, each one's got a question they naturally do well. And the, the dynamo genius is the what question. That's why those guys are really good at getting things started. And I'm, I'm kind of going to give these all so we can see where why fits in. And, and this is what in China they call kind of wood energy. So these are the guys that are really good at being able to grow things. So I'm a dynamo genius. I just love growing things. It's where I really get, you know, my purpose is from that. But then you go to someone who is a, a blaze genius and they're not so good at growing things. In fact, they're much better at the glowing. It's kind of like it's the people side. And what they're really good at, it, like I will have blaze people around me because they're brilliant at asking the question, who? You know, whereas I'll say what? I'll say, okay, what's the new idea? I'll come up with a good idea pretty quickly. But then I'll think, well, who do I need to connect with on that? But if I've got the right blaze geniuses around me, they already know the who because they just went out for a party last night. They already connected the right people. Um, and that's why they're such extroverts. Uh, the when question, which is the timing element, this is the tempos, is a very, very different question again. And you, this is like the season as it moves around. Every industry, every team goes through this whole kind of like, you know, form, storm, norm, um, perform. The, you know, those four steps go through, around the cycle. You know, they're always going to be asking that, that when question. And then the one that most people get stuck on in their life and in their business is the question how. It's kind of like they're going anti-clockwise and they start by saying, okay, I want to do this. How do I do it? I don't know. So then they get stuck without realizing the how is like the metal. So you've actually got wood that then turns into fire. So this is, this is the cycle that you'll find in the Chinese elements. Wood turns to fire. The more wood you have, the stronger fire you're going to have. That's blaze. That then settles down to earth, which is tempo energy. That's earth energy. From the earth, you can mine the metal. So this is kind of like the alchemical process. You want to find gold? Well, you don't start getting it from thin air. You've actually got to create the material to actually be able to mine the gold. That's the how question, which is what introverts are really good at. And you can easily get to that as a final step. And all of that links together with the very first element, which is water. And water is the why question. It's the, it's the purpose question. This is kind of like the fifth element, which links it all together. The more water you have, the more wood you can have. So there's a really interesting cycle that has been understood all the way through time, where if you've got a big enough why, it leads to a bigger what. You know, like you take someone like Richard Branson taking people up into space. You know, when he talks about his businesses, he talks about the why to begin with. It's what brings the culture together. Then you've got the what. From the what, you then figure out what's, what, who's the right who. They'll then know when they need to be doing things by. And you have a whole different how with that team than you would if you were trying to do it on your own. And that just links into the cycle of elements, which actually then can spiral up into a greater and greater success in what you're achieving as you go up. And that's kind of like what I call the spiral staircase in the middle of the lighthouse, where the lighthouse itself, the light that we all have within ourselves, is what goes on when we are really living our true purpose. 
John just wrote down a note just saying, you know, this is fantastic because loving everything you're saying. And we're wondering, where does all this come from? How do you accumulate all of this knowledge? How long did it take? Because people hear it. And I know sometimes myself, I get frustrated. I'm like, I'll never reach this level of just not only knowledge, ability to help, ability to convey this message. How did it happen? You know, it's really interesting. This A lot of people think it takes time to master something, right? And I guess part of me sharing what I'm sharing the way I'm sharing it. I mean, this is this has been my life for, you know, 30, 40 years. It's the same as someone kind of like, you know, playing an instrument or playing football. If they've been doing it for a long time, it seems more effortless. But then you say, well, okay, how do, how, whatever you want to do, whatever you want to master in life, what's the way to do it? I, I think the biggest clue I got was when I was studying architecture, I was like in my teenage, I think it was like 18 or 19 years old. And I was even at that age thinking, I'd really like to be a success in life, right? And so what I did was I actually, um, I actually said, okay, well, if I'm going to be a success in life and I'm going to be an architect in success in life, when's it going to happen? So I actually went out and started, when I was, this is when I was at university, I started studying the people who were the most successful architects. And I noticed something, which is that they were all like in their 70s and 80s. They were like, <laughs> there's no like super successful young architects architects. And I got a chance to meet one of the most famous architects. He was like in his 70s, this guy called uh, Norman Foster, who's in um, the UK. Uh, I had a chance to meet with him. I said, why is it that all the most successful architects are so old by the time they get successful? And he says, well, it's all about learning cycles. He says, like, and, and this is what I, I now talk about when I talk about the difference of academic learning and, and entrepreneurial learning. You know, academics need to know in order to do. So it's all book learning, whereas entrepreneurs need to do in order to know. You know, it's all street learning. And he was talking about street learning. He was talking about mastery. It doesn't come from reading books, right? It comes from learning cycles. And he says, learning cycles is when you try something out, you learn from it. And then from that experience, you then master it. You, you continue again. And all mastery takes multiple learning cycles. He says, the problem with architecture is that every project you do is going to take you six or seven years. So it takes you such a long time. By the time you've done enough learning cycles to get to mastery, you're already going to be an old man. So I said to him, I said, well, that's no, no good. I'm like, How do I get there faster? He goes, easy. Don't be an architect. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually, I actually uh, have gone through my life constantly looking for areas of flow where I can increase my learning cycle. I first of all got into publishing where I had like a weekly publication. So I had like 52 like learning cycles a, a year. You guys, I mean, like you have podcasts where every single time you learn something new about asking different questions about bringing out the best in someone. And, and so you just get better and better and better at doing it. And it happens not based on how many months you've done it for. It's based on how many learning cycles you've gone through. And what's happened more recently is now that we are doing things online with all of the coming back to that point you made earlier about kind of wealth consultant, you know, I think that there is a luxury that people who go out and do a talk or write a book have that someone who is directly mentoring or accountable to the people they're mentoring don't have, which is you can go out and say something really impressive in a book and it might work for 10% of the people who read the book. It might not work for the 90%, but you're never accountable for the 90% where it didn't work for it. You don't even hear from those guys. Whereas if you're mentoring someone and you're coming back and speaking to that same person every month or every week and what you shared with them and what they tried doesn't work, well, you got to take a level of accountability for that to say, well, that was interesting. If that didn't work, what could I do differently? So that accountability of uh, that direct feedback loop allows you to see things you know, better and better and gets you more and more certain, um, just like practicing kicking a, kicking a ball, a goal or, or shooting hoops, you know, more and more certain that what does work and what doesn't. So a lot of my experience and my level of certainty around my expertise, which is how to support people on their entrepreneurial path and on their, uh, on their wealth path, um, comes from the number of learning cycles I've gone through with different 
different people in their businesses to see what does and doesn't work for them. And that's really where my articulation comes from. Oh, I see. So it was basically learning through them as well as learning on your own accord. So you were just speeding it up. It was you were cheating the system. <laughs> well, I, I, in fact, I'm still I'm still doing. It. I mean, I, I have about a hundred uh, mentoring entrepreneurs that, that I mentor and I work with, and I'm also involved in groups myself. Where, like, for example, being here in America, I'm meeting up with different groups where I get mentored by people who are more successful than I am. So, all of that is is absolutely all about just understanding, you know, basically the way that uh, that we all learn through others. And the more people that we have that we can connect with, the better as well. So I want to switch gears for a minute because usually we ask this kind of question at the beginning of the episode. But I know you had a very interesting, you know, between when you graduated from university and 30 years old. A lot of failures, a success at the end. And those stories are always extremely interesting. So I was wondering if you could kind of tell us what happened there, where did you fail, and then what was the business or breakthrough, whatever it might be, that kind of got you to the level of success? Yeah, I think probably all of my businesses up until about 25, and I had about, I think it was about half a dozen of them, and they all failed, every single one of them failed. Uh, they just felt bigger and bigger each time. And they all failed for pretty much the same reason now that I look back at it. At the time, I, I, I wasn't clear about it at all. I had a, when I was at university, I had a, a publishing business that you know grew pretty quickly. And then it, I ended up selling it to a company that ended up imploding it, which wasn't what I expected at all. I just didn't have the right systems in place. Uh, and then I got involved in a number of um, other publishing companies, IT companies, where the same thing happened, where I was overexpanding things or just going too quickly, not putting the right things in place. So it all looked on the outside like things were going to go great. And then, and it was always a different thing that actually ended up being kind of like the thing that tripped it over. But it was only when I, the turning point for me came when I was in my mid-20s and I had an experience, which was a very personal experience. It wasn't even about the business. And I write about this in the book. It's this experience which comes out of left field. You're not expecting it at all. I was in Singapore. I had a publishing company. I started up there. I was coming back from, from work one day and I was working really hard on the business, right? So I was putting all my money into it. I was doing the kind of typical thing you hear entrepreneurs do, which is kind of like, you know, take out the credit cards, you know, max everything out to make the business successful. But as I was going through that, my own personal finances were really suffering at that point. So, you know, I was in a situation at that point where I wasn't paying the bills I was meant to pay at home. I was walking back to our house and there was this big commotion happening outside our house and it was my wife Renata. So uh, we had just had Kathleen, our, our, our first daughter, and I could see her, I could see Kathleen on Renata's arms and Renata outside the house and all our neighbors were out there as well. And I could hear her from the top of the street and she was kind of like shouting and like crying and th th she was talking to a tow truck driver who'd come to take our car away. And I had been late on the payments and I realized the moment that I saw this, it's like, oh my gosh, this is, this is the last thing I want to be happening right now because everyone was watching this. And I went down and I hadn't even told Renata that we were behind, so far behind on the payments. Uh, and I was like telling, telling the whole tow truck driver, come on, please, let's just talk about this. You know, I can make the payments. And, and of course, he's not the guy to negotiate. Sure. So, like, you know, so he just kind of like heads off with the car. Every like Renata goes back inside because she suddenly realizes what's happened. And she's totally embarrassed. Uh, everyone else kind of goes in without saying anything. And I'm standing outside now realizing that I just created the biggest embarrassment for my family. And I've also looked like an idiot myself. And I've done it all 100% as a result of my own fault. Whereas up to then, it was like me against the world. I was going to go out there and be successful. Now it's like I was the one that actually, you know, sabotaged myself by being in this crazy situation. And what I did at that point was I thought back to the mentors I'd already met who had already been telling me, your business is simply a mirror of yourself. You know, you, what, what you end up doing with your teams, with the people around you is nothing more than a reflection of your inner 
your inner standards and how you're treating yourself. And if you're not going to treat yourself well enough, there's no way you're going to be able to treat your business well enough either. Um, it's kind of like that whole thing about when the oxygen mask drop in the airplane, you know, don't, don't, don't go feed the baby first. You've got to sort yourself out first. Now, I'd heard all this stuff about pay yourself first and all that kind of stuff, but I just saw the whole thing in a very, very different light. It's like the image I give got, is almost like instead of this image of, of my business being like the sun in my solar system where I was spinning around it going dizzy and my poor wife was kind of spinning around me like the little moon uh, and everything was going dizzy. It's, it's like shifted all around so that me, my family, the things I actually cared about most became the sun and then the business became that earth, that planet that was revolving around it. And it was that change in thinking which actually allowed me to go to multiple businesses to allow them to be serving what allowed me to be an asset towards them as opposed to a liability. And it was a whole different worldview about what it takes to create flow and what's in the center of that flow, which isn't your business. It's your own personal path, your own personal life, and the difference you're going to personally make while you're here. It's crazy to to hear that just because I've been recently trying to build my own business and we've been doing the podcast for a while trying to make changes in that and oftentimes I feel like when when my life is crazy when I wake up and I'm just thinking got to do 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 got to answer emails got to start that's when the day gets away from me nothing positive happens in terms of moving the business forward but for example I just came back from a pretty long vacation and just over a week I got so much done cuz I was just calmer and I was letting it happen so to hear you say that in obviously such an articulate way is it's really refreshing do you have tips or tools or tricks for people to slowly let themselves become the center of that universe and let the business or their other things revolve around them? Well, I think it's, um, it's an instant thing. It, it isn't something you have to kind of like gradually go towards. It's an absolute instant thing. And there's a very specific step-by-step, -step, which I will always take someone through uh, because it works every time, which allows someone to get really clear in where they're going. And, and the analogy I use is the analogy of going to an airport and hopping on a plane to head somewhere. Like, you know, I know tomorrow morning I've got a flight to Washington. I know it's almost like by magic. I'm going to show up at the airport. I'm going to get onto a plane where I'm not even going to speak to the pilot. I'm going to kind of take off and head exactly where I want to go. And by some amazing coincidence, every single other person on that plane wants to also go exactly to that same place, Washington. And we're all going to end up going there. And it's like, well, how is it possible that out of all the places in the world, you know, when we actually take a flight, we can go exactly where we want to get to, whereas most of us have no clue how to get to even A to B in our own lives. And it's because that whole like way that an airline sets up a journey to, and gives everyone enough notice to say, hey, here's where we're going to go, guys. If you want, you know, we don't know who's going to be on the plane yet. We don't know, you know, who's going to be sitting next to you. But if you want to go where we want to go, then here's where we're going. Here's where we're going to take off. Who's coming with us? And giving people that direction and that clarity and to say, here's what, like, it's not about, you know, who's going to come with me or how's it going to happen. It's like, this is what I'm going to achieve. And this is when it's going to happen by. And you set it up in such a way that you give the world notice. This is what's going to be taking place. And you don't go try and do it all on your own to start with, right? Even, you know, pilots need to go, you know, become co-pilots for a while. You say, who's already on this journey? Who's going to that same place that I can go and support and be a part of that journey too? So I, you know, I go through this whole process, which is like for anyone listening to this, if you go, well, you want to know the very, very first step of the journey is by starting with your future vision, saying in a year's time, exactly where would I want to be if it was up to me? Because like in my view, there's only two types of problems in the world. There's like easy problems 
and difficult problems. And the only difference between the two is the time you've got to solve it, right? I mean, like if you need if you need 10 grand and you need that tomorrow, then for a lot of people, that's a difficult problem. If you need 10 grand in 10 years, well, then that's an easy problem because you've got plenty of time to sort it out. So by actually saying, well, you know, I can't solve tomorrow to be exactly where I want to be, like immediately, but in a year's time, could I do it? Well, let me put it down and say, here's where I would want it to be. And for most people, they haven't even been clear where they'd really want to be. They know where they don't want to be, but where do you really want to be? What would it actually look like? And there's a very specific process you can go through to get really clear on what that is. And then once you've got that, then it's about saying, okay, so now that I'm where I'm at, do I even know what that is? And for me, knowing where you are is even more important because it's like, you know, it's like, you know, phoning a friend and saying, I want to go to Eiffel Tower in Paris. And they go, well, where are you right now? And you go, well, I don't know. It's like they can't help you even if you know where you're going, if you don't know where you're starting from. So by understanding where you are today, which is, well, you know, what is your genius? What is the level you're at? And, and this is what I've learned in life is, is by using assessments. You know, I'm probably, I know out in Asia, I'm probably one of the, the people most focused at using assessments as a way for people to just get clear on where they are today, which allows them immediately when you use those assessments to say, ah, now that I know that, this is where I can, this is where I can move to. And I think that's probably one of the reasons that in Asia, I'm, I'm fairly well known because it's not just because I'm using my tools. It's because many people who are mentors, uh, people who are entrepreneurs, they use these tools with their team because the moment they've used it with their team, they can then say, right now I know where you're at. Okay, here's the next step we need to take. So just understanding that those simple two steps, you know, we're living in a world of way too much information where it actually freezes most of us. I can guarantee that whatever book you read, there'll be an expert who says the exact opposite in a different book, right? It's like, it doesn't matter what advice you're given, someone else will be saying the total opposite. And so given that that's the case, you can't just go out and follow whatever advice you're given. You've got to start by saying, well, what advice is actually relevant to me? And it's a little bit like the fact that we can all get a, you know, information is like a map. You can have a map of Paris and it can have every single place on it, but that's going to be overwhelming if you don't have enough time in your life to go visit everything. But if you start by saying, well, where am I and where do I want to go? You now compress all that information into direction, which is how to get from A to B. And so that's the very first thing that I share with anyone who's going, well, I'm kind of stuck and I want to go forward. Then I say, well, then don't go out getting more information. Start by just getting absolute clear direction. Where are you today? Where do you want to go? Let's just start with those two and get clear on that. Because for most people, they're not even clear on, what, on those two points. That was definitely worth the price of the podcast. We give this out for free, and that just sounded like the best information ever. <laughs> My mind is blown. I love this. I could talk to you forever. I know we've taken up a little bit more of your time, but the beauty is you've put so much of your brain and your knowledge and your research into your book, The Millionaire Master Plan, which we're going to link to on our website. And I know there's also a lot of resources online. Where can people go to? Because, man... I'm reading your book tonight. Like I'm finishing it. I'm, I'm moving through that. Where else can we go after that to learn more, to take this test and everything that accompanies this? I mean, I deliberately, I had that real, I had a real challenge with the book itself, right? Like coming off a book, a, a book is like a one size fits all, which is kind of like, well, it's going to be different for everybody. So I deliberately put in with the book, the assessment. So it means the assessment comes with a book. And when you actually take the assessment, you find out your genius, you find out your levels. And at the millionairemasterplan.com, which is the, the website, you can get the book, you can then take the test. And if people are like, I don't even want to stretch to the cost of a book right now, I mean, you can just even go to mygeniustest.com and just take the genius test for free, which is part of that. It doesn't give you the levels, but it still gives you which genius you are at. And what that does is it opens up Genius U, which we set up as a way for each of us to be given that guidance when you know where you're at 
um, it's kind of like, it, it, I mean, we don't call them courses. We call them missions, right? So you actually get a personalized mission where now that you know where you're at, like you might be trying to get out of debt or you might be in a business where you're trying to do everything yourself and you haven't figured out how to get a team together or you might be in a, in a, in a bigger business but you're trying to figure out how to get investments in. Well, this has got missions at every single one of the steps. So whichever level you're at, it's going to give you a mission which is right for you at the point you're at right now. And then because it's all video and mobile based, you can kind of like do, you know, you can do it as you're traveling. But this basically allows you and, and also each of the missions has got like circles. So it means you're connecting in with others who have got the same circles as well. But all of that basically you can get to by either going to millionairemaskplan.com or um, mygeniustest.com. And I think one of the beauties of this is not you're not just learning from me. You're learning from everyone else who's on the on the system. Like I said, we've got about a quarter of a million people on there. And what's really great about it is they're all from different countries. So they're all giving you different perspectives. There's people on there from Japan, people on there from South Africa, from Australia. So you're getting perspectives of different people in different markets and what, what's true for them. Uh, and it means that you know, you're no longer alone. You're actually now part of uh, a bigger community, which is supporting you while you're supporting them. Thank you so, so much for being so generous with your time and your knowledge. Um, we're going to get this episode up right away and send it out to the world because it honestly has been fantastic. Brilliant. Awesome. Well, thanks a lot, guys. I really appreciate it as well. All right. Have a great night. Thank you. You too. All right. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. Welcome back. Hope you guys enjoyed that interview with Roger Hamilton. If you enjoyed the interview, make sure to go out and pick up his book, The Millionaire Master Plan, Your Personalized Path to Financial Success. It is a great read. I highly, highly recommend it. I just want to talk to him more. I know. I wish we could have kept him on the line for like an hour. I think he we actually did, we kept him on. would have stayed on. I mean, he just kept talking to us and we're like, all right, keep but- Keep giving us that knowledge. Did Keep you notice? I think he had people calling him and emails and stuff. And I just, I feel bad taking oh, yeah. so much. I mean, you, you imagine his time per hour is worth, I don't even know. I don't even much. want to calculate it. So sometimes I usually feel bad, but he was great. We talked to him offline. Even he gave us some tips and tricks and pointers to growing this business, which is the true sign of a genuine giving person. Make sure you head on over to smartpeoplepodcast.com. Check it out. We've been getting emails. People just saying, hey, thanks, letting us know what we're doing well, what we're doing not so well. People have been giving us some great pointers, which I've enjoyed. Yeah, and keep tweeting at us at smartpeoplepod. We've gotten a bunch of awesome tweets that have included the past guests, and those guests are retweeting it and favoriting it. So it it makes us feel pretty good. But more importantly, it kind of solidifies us as a podcast that guests want to be on. So if you want to reach out to Roger on Twitter, his Twitter handle is at Roger Hamilton. And again, congratulations to Patrick for winning the Kindle HDX to Jen, Daryl, Scott, and Laura for the Amazon gift card. When you're using the Amazon gift card, if you went through our Amazon link, that would be cool. And One of the reasons we chose a Kindle is because this show is all about education. A lot of it is done through talking with authors, and we thought that was just an interesting way to give back to you guys yet again and say thanks for being the best fans in the world. Hope you guys enjoy it, and hope we can give away more awesome stuff in the future. Thanks, guys. Catch you next week.